listening to the special edition of Discover Lafayette, which we taped in partnership with the Lafayette Parish Bar Association on October 13th. We had the opportunity to listen to Toby Aguilard, Royal Bastani, and Jules Edwards, the candidates for Lafayette City Court Judge, share their thoughts on their own unique qualifications to serve. The election will be held on November 8th, with early voting to take place October 25th through November 1st from 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., excluding Sunday. We encourage you to listen to the candidates and make an informed decision when you vote. And most importantly, please make the time to vote in this all-important race. We couldn't tape our show without the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you just have one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. We also tape with the support of Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, a physician-owned hospital known for its advanced treatment options and innovative technologies, which provide patients with the most comprehensive care available in every department. From simple exploratory procedures to robotics-assisted surgery, their physicians are dedicated to implementing low-impact, minimally invasive methods that are at the cutting edge of medical science. Experience the difference in care at Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. Welcome, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you so much for attending today's forum. Uh, I'm Shannon Dartes. For those of you that don't know me, I'm the Lafayette, uh, Lafayette Bar Association president. Um, I will serve as moderator for, for today's forum. I'm sorry I'm going to kind of have my back to you guys, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and face the, the candidates. Um, I wanted to give a special thanks to the uh, Lafayette Bar staff for helping to put this event together and the executive committee uh, and to all three of you candidates for agreeing to be here today. Um, as for today's format, uh, my hope is that this is not so much a debate uh, as it is a question and answer session meant to inform the voters. Uh, questions will be asked by me and or members of the bar, and each candidate will be given an opportunity to respond. Some questions may not call for a long response, but each candidate will have up to three minutes to respond to each one. Uh, and a brief rebuttal will be allowed when appropriate, and we ask that you try to keep your rebuttal to about a minute. Uh, if it goes a little bit longer, we'll just we'll try to make the the hour work. We are planning on this lasting at least an hour. Um, before we begin, I'd like to say that this foreign forum is being hosted by the Lafayette Bar Association. We would like to welcome Jan Swift with Swift and Rhodes, who is also the host of Discover Lafayette uh, podcast. She will rebroadcast the forum for the benefit of the community. Please note the LBA has not endorsed a candidate or expressed a view on any of the issues. Okay, let's begin. Um, I would like each of you to take uh, a minute to introduce yourselves, um, starting with Toby. All right. Do you want us to stand? Uh, you can, y'all can, you can or you don't have to. It's totally up to you. You want to make it as casual as you can, feel sure. free. Okay. 
Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for being here, and thank you to the bar for this event. Uh, my name's Toby Aguilard, and I'm running for uh, Lafayette City Judge. Uh, it is a great honor for me to participate in this race with uh, such great candidates, and I have a great deal of respect for Ms. Bustani and Judge Edwards. I, I feel that I do have a great deal to offer as city court judge, having 35 years of experience in law enforcement, criminal justice, and in the practice of law. And uh, it was my great pleasure to serve as Lafayette's chief of police, which gives me, I think, a unique perspective into what some of the challenges that are facing city court. And so with that, uh, thank you all for being here. I'm asking for your vote, your support, and your prayers. Thank you. Roya? Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Or good morning, I guess, still. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Roya Bustani. Uh, I am a felony prosecutor here in Lafayette. I've uh, now been serving at the pleasure of um, the past three district attorneys and uh, been very excited about the work that I've been doing at the DA's office. Uh, I'm from Lafayette. Uh, I grew up here, went to public school here, went to UL Lafayette, graduated, and then I went to Southern University Law Center and came right back when I was done because my husband and I wanted to start a family. Um, my husband, Alfred, is a criminal defense attorney here in town, and uh, together we have three very beautiful children, um, Ace, Allie, Allie and uh, Jack. I'm extremely involved in the um, nonprofit world as well. I definitely never thought that my job ended at 5 or 4.30 at the DA's office. Um, and so I'm president-elect of Junior League of Lafayette. I serve as the Young Lawyers President right now for the Lafayette Bar Association, and I am um, currently on the Lafayette uh, Bar Association Board of Directors. I'm very thankful to the board and the exec committee and our staff who's put this on. Um, and um, I'm excited about uh, November 8th. Judge Edwards. Good afternoon. Yes, I'm Jules Edwards. I'm number 61 on the ballot. I'm also pleased to be here with these uh, two distinguished folks who are uh, also contesting to become the next Lafayette City Court judge. You know, this is a special election to uh, fill a position where the previous judge retired, I'm sorry, resigned, and uh, I uh, want to let you know uh, that I look forward to the opportunity for continued service. I have to first say, because somehow I often fail to say uh, that I have the pleasure of being married to Orita Broussard Edwards, and she uh, and I have uh, been blessed to raise uh, three wonderful adult children. Uh, I served as uh, a state trial court judge for 28 years here in the 15th Judicial District Court, and I also uh, have uh, 30 years of military experience. I enlisted as the, in the United States Marine Corps Reserves as a private and I retired from the Louisiana Army National Guard as a colonel. I want you to think of all of my uh, information that I give you today from a perspective of what do you want from a judge? Uh, what are the characteristics that you are looking for? I believe that justice is what, ju what love looks like in public and justice is what gi giving to the other that which that other is due. Uh, I have the pleasure of uh, working with many young people with from diverse uh, ethnic backgrounds uh, in the military as they 
own their character, develop their virtues, reduce their vices, so that they be, could become the kind of people who had integrity, people who lived and, and behaved in the same way that they professed their values to be. Uh, it's very important that you consider judicial temperament, and I am the person who brings that to the table. Thank you very much. I look forward to answering your questions. Okay, right out the box, Roya Bustani. And this will be a question for, for each of you. Um, why? Why run for city court judge? Yeah, uh, look, I'll be honest. I never thought I'd be here. I had no idea that I would ever do something like this. Um, if you know me at all, you know that I went to school to be a prosecutor. Um, my upbringing very much made me feel like I needed to be um, a voice for the voiceless which are my, our victims and the defendants. And so um, why is a huge thing for me. But uh, when I think about it and when I sat down with it and really prayed about it, the 11-year-old girl that I had come in my office that was impregnated by her stepfather, and I sat down next to her, not across from her, I sat down next to her, and she finally felt safe and comfortable and valued which is what she told me at the end of the trial, is why I run. The fact that when my public defenders or my defense attorneys come to me and say, can you give this person an audience if you just hear them out, just listen to them, I promise you you're gonna feel differently. I do that on so often I can't even explain it to you. I am very much a listener. I wanna get it right the first time. I care not about the office. I care about the people. And that is why I'm running for Lafayette City Court Judge. Thank you. Judge Edwards, similarly, why would you retire from the district court bench to run for city court? Well, it's very simple in that uh, I have come to realize that we really cannot wait until folks uh, get to state court to intervene in their lives. Uh, so often, we have, we have, as a result of the crowded dockets, we often have on criminal dockets 200 cases set, uh, on traffic dockets 150, 200 cases set. And, and so in order to be efficient, we've developed this practice of plea bargaining, uh, but uh, and, and that invariably uh, means that we're not tailoring the particular sentence to the particular person. And thus we end up with people on a criminal justice escalator and they end up serving a life sentence on the installment plan and they don't really realize it. And so I'm convinced that we need to intervene in their lives when they've committed that first misdemeanor offense, that first serious traffic offense to get them on the right track. I was very successful at doing that with with people who have been convicted of felonies. However, the challenge with that is they were convicted of felonies, and many of them had been convicted of multiple misdemeanor offenses as a result of that. In, in state court, judges were assigned to felony dockets, and they stick with the person, they could work with the person, achieve a result, but with the misdemeanor and traffic dockets, the judges rotated through so there was no consistency. In the Lafayette City Court, there is that opportunity to have that consistency and I want to do in misdemeanor cases in city court and traffic cases in city court the same kind of things I was doing in felony cases in state court. 
Thank you, Judge. Toby Aguilar, why run for city court judge? Well, I've been always felt called to public service, I think. Um, at an early age, right out of high school, I entered the seminary uh, to study for the priesthood. Uh, and so that uh, after uh, graduating from seminary, I decided that marriage was an important, going to be an important part of my life, and I stepped out. But essentially entered public service at that point. I remember being sworn in as a deputy sheriff at the age of 18. That was in 1988. Uh, and putting on the uniform for the Cameron Parish Sheriff's Office uh, back when uh, Reagan was still president. And I think I've always felt called to public service. So my career has been spent mostly as a prosecutor, uh, both an assistant attorney general and assistant district attorney, and, uh, and then having the uh, great opportunity to serve at Lafayette's chief of police, which was a, a goal of mine, was to either be a sheriff or a chief one day. But then this came up, and I don't know, felt the calling, I watched with interest the, the saga unfold uh, last year and told my wife the day that I'd heard that uh, Judge O'Day was resigning that, you know, I'm going to consider running for that. And I asked her what she thought, and she said, I think you'd make a great judge. I've always felt called to public service. It's where I'm comfortable, and it's what I enjoy doing, and that's why I'm running. Thank you. Since you brought up Judge Michelle O'Day, um, we all know why this seat is open and why we are having an election on November 8th. So my question for each of you is, if elected, what do you believe your role is as a judge outside of the courtroom and out in the public? And I'm going to start this one with Judge Edwards. Well, I, I think that uh, a judge should be available to kind of demystify the work of the court. I, I think I mentioned earlier uh, that, I know I say it all the time, that people are afraid to come to court, right? Whether you are a witness or you are a, a litigant, a party, people are come to court, they're anxious, they're afraid, they don't know what's going on, and, and then there are there's a certain uh, segment of our community that if it's a criminal case, if there's an opportunity that they could leave in handcuffs, they're horrified. Right, uh, they, they 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 have heard the stories of the times in the past when people come to the courthouse and then they get lost in the system. They they they're going away for years. They don't feel that they can have a fair shake. And so uh, I, I look forward to the opportunity to getting out and meeting with people, meeting with groups, meeting with organizations to explain the the judicial process. This is what happens when you're required to come to court for a civil case. This is what happens when. And you're required to come to court for a criminal case. I think you'd be amazed how many times folks would come to court for, say, a protective order. And I say, okay, let's hear from the first witness. Oh, I needed to bring witnesses? I, 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 nobody told me. If, I, if I'd known, I known, I, can, I, can I leave to go get my witness? Right? Or, or, or the, they, they, they did not bring the documents. So being able to explain to folks what, what a court system is, what a court exists for, what's the role of the judge, what's the role of witnesses, all of that information I think can really demystify what we do and, and give people a little more courage to come to court and participate in the process. I, I think that's very important. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes, so... Um the question was what we do outside. What would the we do The question is, what do you believe your role is as mm -hmm. a judge outside of the courtroom and mm -hmm. out in the public? 
Yeah, my job would be the same thing that I'm doing every single day in this community. It is being a good steward of this community. It is being involved in the nonprofit world. It is volunteering my time. Uh, I have a Facebook quote, volunteering is the, the uh, greatest exercise in democracy. That is truly who I am. It's what I believe in. When I think about why I ran for judge, I wasn't, this wasn't the most opportune time, obviously, for any of us. But, you know, as junior league president, I'd be given a lot of hours. As former executive vice president, I gave 140, 150 hours, volunteer every month during COVID. And, you know, and that's what I've been doing in this community for since we came back, since I've been in high school. I've been extremely involved. That's what I'm going to continue doing. I like being involved in the nonprofit world because it, that's how you make the direct impact on what I do every day. What I do every day is hard. Y'all know what we do. Being a prosecutor is very taxing, and it, sometimes it makes you want to know why, why people are do things. And then I go home, and me and the kids go to Marcus Park, or I go and I do something at the Boys and Girls Club, and it's what I've been doing. It's what I'm going to continue doing as a judge because I think it's important to make sure that people understand that judges are no more special than anybody else. They're just somebody that is trying to do a good, righteous thing for the community. And that's what I'm going to continue doing. I'm not going to be any different. Um, I am who I am. And my nonprofit work is just as important as my 8.30 to 4.30 every day. Mr. Aguilar. So outside of the courtroom, I, I think that uh, there's a great deal of challenges facing city court right now. Um, I think that we've got uh, whoever is sitting on the bench in a, in a few weeks uh, uh, is going to have to assist in um, moving city court forward. That means maybe a new computer system, new software system, taking a hard look at the docket, figuring out if we need more court days in order to move that docket forward, addressing the challenges created by COVID and the sudden judicial vacancy. I think in the courtroom it's going to be about building trust in the community, letting the, the uh, building trust with the community, allowing them to see you in action, putting good things, making good things happen, moving the court forward. Outside of the courtroom, I, can, I will continue enjoying living in Lafayette. My family and I love it here. We love our culture here. Um, just, you know, being present in the community, working hard with our church and with our uh, organizations uh, that I'm involved in as well, Rotary, and um, just being a part of the community, live, loving life and, and being an example. Thank you. Um, on this particular question, uh, I am willing to give you a little bit more than three minutes because it may take you a little bit of time to answer. Um, what are two or three things that city court does well that you would like to keep as part of the city court system if you are elected as judge. And we're gonna start this one with Roya Bustani. So the first thing um, I think City Court does extremely well, and I've got to go watch them now. Um, and you know, for lawyers, it may be a little taxing, but they do a docket to make sure that discovery has been given. And sometimes, you know, in state court, it, it you know, we send it out and then we go to the pretrial date and it's like, oh, I didn't get the discovery. Okay, now we have another date. Well, City Court makes sure at that certain date, you have the discovery and everything is copacetic. You're ready to go. Um, and then I also just really, you know, 
there are some things that I think that they can improve upon, but we're I'm excited to help them get there. Um, I'm looking forward to the e-tickets that are coming through that, that Judge Loom is really just trying to push. Um, I see innovation in that court coming, and I see he wants a partner, and he wants someone who's going to be able to help him bring that innovation. I'm very uh, thankful for, for someone like that to, to be able to partner with. Uh, I also really like the fact that when I went there, they were a team. That means a lot. It means a lot that people are working together in such a, a big place, and it's moving the needle forward. Um, you know, the, the track that I lead, uh, we have a, I don't know, every, every couple months we'll have a meeting. The public defenders, our office, the judges, the court, everybody is there. And so we know how to move the needle forward. We know what's coming up. Um, and I, I saw that in city court. I was very appreciative of that. Um, you know, and so that's what I'm excited about. Okay, thank you. Judge Edwards. Thank you. I also had the, the opportunity to co visit uh, city court recently, and I was very impressed with uh, the quality and conscientiousness of the staff. Uh, the the empo court employees are, are genuinely dedicated to uh, accomplishing the mission that each of them have assigned. And they are all, all very aware uh, that when litigants and witnesses and people who come to observe just sit in the gallery, when they come to the courtroom, they're, they're, they're anxious, they're, they're, they're concerned, they're, they're, they're a little bit afraid. And so they are willing to go out of their way uh, to take the time to communicate clearly and, and, and ask questions to make sure that the, the information they intended to deliver was actually received. Uh, I have to tell you that it takes a lot of patience, a lot of dedication, and, and, and a lot of commitment to the mission to do that work. Uh, I'm also impressed with uh, Judge Saloom's plans uh, to uh, modernize the courthouse, uh, really courtroom, and and particularly with with regard to technology, uh, that that is something that definitely needs to move forward. Uh, so I, I'm look forward to the opportunity to be a genuine partner with him in this. Uh, most folks know that I'm the technology guy, and so uh, I look forward to uh, get having that opportunity to work with Judge Saloom and his staff and. All also, uh, that court works very closely with the marshal's office. And the marshal has a, a dedicated staff as well who are interested in accomplishing the mission and being concerned and caring about all the people they engage with. And again, we have to do all we can to relieve the anxiety and the fear that people have of city court. Court exists to peacefully resolve resolutions. And that, and, and that, that is a great function, uh, and, and we don't want people taking the law into their own hands. Thank you. Thank you. Toby Aguilar. So I've had the opportunity to um, visit City Court on, on and off now for um, several years. And uh, one thing that's always struck me was, uh, particularly with Judge Saloom, is his ability to connect with the defendants that come into uh, misdemeanor court and that he takes the time to address whatever issues he sees. It's not, um, 
you know, it's not a buffet. It's not a you know, steady line of people coming in and out. He does take his time with every single defendant, explain, uh, uh, you know, the circumstances, the law. And I believe he takes his time to get the right, to put justice in place, to help these folks move on with their lives. And that's one thing I think city court does well. The other thing that I was impressed with most recently is the budget fight and how that was handled. Uh, we uh, were uh, all given the opportunity and the invitation to attend the budget hearings with Judge Saloom. And it was fascinating to watch Judge, Judge Saloom uh, finagle his way with the politics involved in the budget, right? I think he did it well. He ended up coming out uh, with everything, uh, almost everything he wanted. And he did it by, uh, you know, with passion, but also, uh, uh, you know, in an intelligent and politically correct way. Uh, he didn't step on any toes while he was, you know, quietly pushing his, his budget forward. And uh, I think that's one thing that we have to have is that kind of administrator in place. That's the kind of administrator I would be if given the opportunity to serve with Judge Saloon City Court and look forward to it. Thank you. All right, the converse. What are two or three things that you think are not going well or that you believe need to be changed and why with our city court system? We'll start with you, Toby. Okay, so, you know, for me, it, it, the, the electronics, uh, we've, we've talked about the technology and the lack thereof at city court. Um, I've spoken with Judge Sloom about this issue and we're looking at a 20-year-old computer system and software system that's being used. now. There are plans to start moving that forward, but I think we're behind, uh, you know, in that in that sense. So that I think that's one place where we definitely uh, need to improve things, and we need to get it done sooner than later. Uh, other issues with city court, um, you know, Judge Sloom has explained to me that the, the COVID crisis. Uh, the sudden judicial vacancy has created a backlog in cases. And I think that needs to be addressed. Just last week, one of my law partners had a trial set in city court. And unexpectedly, after showing up, preparing for trial, and after showing up with witnesses and, and uh, our uh, client, the trial got pushed back. And I think that's unfortunate. I think these are the type of things we've got to focus on in the next few months, is moving that docket forward. If it means having more court days, then that's what we need to do. And so that's where I would try to improve things. Thank you. Judge Edwards. Okay, so some of you who know me know that I uh, am something of a, a systemic thinker. Uh, I, in addition to my law degree, I have a master's degree in public administration from LSU and a master's degree in strategic studies from the United States Army War College. And so I don't rush into things. So I have, I have a plan uh, to look and learn what's going well and what what could be improved upon. And I, and I intend to spend the first 12 to 18 months doing that. Uh, I, I did that at state court. There was a time uh, oh, several years ago. 20 or more years ago, where we thought that there was uh, a significant backlog of, of, of criminal cases, which were backlogging civil cases, which were causing a jail overcrowding problem. And so I took the time to study that. I produced a paper uh, and, and used that to work with the other judges and all the stakeholders uh, in uh, civil and criminal Lafayette District criminal 
the 15th Judicial District Court here in Lafayette, and we developed a track system. Uh, and that expedited the processing of both criminal cases, which alleviated the civil backlog and, and gave some relief uh, at the jail. But now, in terms of practical matters, quickly at city court, I mentioned earlier uh, the idea of demystifying the court system. Uh, so we could easily create a series of videos, short videos, that explain to people what to expect when they come to court, uh, how to handle different types of cases. I did that when I was the president of the Louisiana District Judges Association. We created a series of those videos. Those types of videos could be posted on uh, the court's website. We could also develop electronic notification systems to send out text messages, email messages to alert people of their coming court date and what is what the court date is for. So if they, they need to come and bring proof of having done community service, having attended classes, having made a payment, they will know what they're coming to court for. Those are the quick things that we can do, but I have a quick fix and a long range fix. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I've now spoken uh, with a lot of the people in city court, and, um, you know, my understanding is that when, and look, I'll be honest, y'all know in district court, we have a backlog. You know, maybe track four doesn't have much of a backlog, but we have a backlog. Um, city court was up and running by the by the fall, okay? And so um, Judge Saloom and the staff over there is very proud of the fact that they are not setting trials and, and pre-trial. They're setting stuff out from like November, December. They might have something in January. So, you know, the idea that there is a backlog of cases is just not, you know, not the, what the, the numbers have told him or um, Judge Harris, who's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, in terms of, what I would go and fix, I think it's kind of foolish to say I'd go and fix something right now. I think the duty of the judge is to go in and see what's going on and then watch all the processes and then sit down with the attorneys that are in there, sit down with the staff, sit down with the marshal. How do we, is there a process that we can make more efficient? You know, Kay's there all the time. Kay probably knows a whole lot more than any of us sitting at this table how to make something more efficient. I want to know what Kay has to think, you know, and that's just quite frankly how I do it at the DA's office. If there's something that I think could be made more efficiently, I'm not going to make the decision by myself. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. It's a collaboration. But Judge Saloom, I will say, and Judge Harris have done a phenomenal job of of moving through this COVID crisis that we've had that we've experienced, um, and maybe you know maybe. Track for all, go talk to them. You know, it, it is just, it is what it is. They're doing a great job, so. Thank you. City court cases are often handled by pro se litigants or people who are representing themselves. Um, do you see this as a challenge? And given that issue, would you, or how would you handle your court differently uh, with unrepresented litigants versus represented litigants? And I will start this question with Toby Aguilar. So in misdemeanor court and uh, small claims court, you're going to have litigants that do not have the resources to find themselves an attorney. I think the judge has to you know, account for that. 
and be someone willing to ease the rules a bit to allow them to make their case before the court. It's about making them feel comfortable. It's what Judge Edwards has repeatedly said, is, is letting them know that you don't need to be worried and scared to come to city court. You have a right to be here and have your day and have your case heard. I will work with that. I mean, as city court judge, it would be my duty to assist these folks to the best of my, that we can and within reason, uh, to assist them to work their way through the, the court system uh, and hopefully in an efficient manner. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I would deal with them the same that I deal with every other person and make sure that the prosecutor's sitting there as well. You know, just if, if we're going to collaboratively come to a resolution, then everybody needs to be at the table. And um, I, I very often, like I said, my public defenders know it, or my uh, criminal defense attorneys know if I need to give somebody an audience, if I just need to hear somebody out, I do it. And I sit down, we go in the jury deliber deliberation room, we talk about it. And they're there, but we're going to come to a resolution that is adequate for my victim, if I have one, and for the defendant, right? I don't think anybody, and I'm not going to speak for them, but we're not trying to throw the key, throw people in jail forever. We're trying to figure out what makes the society move, what makes people better and not come back to us. And so I would treat the unrepresented defendant the same way I would treat the represented defendant and make sure that everybody had a seat at the table. Thank you. Okay, so um, the reason why um, unrepresented people uh, present such a challenge to the justice system is because they don't know what the law is. They don't know what the proper procedures are. And uh, anyone who has uh, observed me in court, uh, they know uh, that I have the patience of Job, that I am absolutely willing to take whatever amount of time is needed to make sure that the litigants understand what they are there for, civil litigants, and well as people who have been accused of crimes or people who have been accused of uh, traffic offenses. I will give an orientation at the beginning of the docket. This is what we are here for today. We have these types of cases. If you are a litigant in this type of case or you are a, 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 a plaintiff, you have the burden of proof. And then I explain that whole process. And then when their individual case comes up, I will explain it again. Make sure the, the plaintiff understands what the rules are make sure the defendant understands what the rules are during the course of the hearing you know, you, you can't you know uh, tilt justice one way or the other uh, but you can make sure that you ex the judge can make sure that, that the per the litigant the witness they understand what the rules are that's that's what you can do and and uh, uh, most of you know uh, you've come to court with me uh, there's not anybody's going to ever outwork me right we will we will work until the job gets done right and 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 so the that that is important for the pro se litigants it's also important for the lawyers right so it's it's a matter of 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 how you handle the docket of course you know because of these time constraints if it's a civil case we will typically take up the lawyers first get them out of there so that they're not all anxious and distressed listening to a, a lawyer a, a litigant who does not know the law stumble along and then once all 
all the lawyers are gone, then the judge can take the time required to make sure that that pro se litigant, that self-represented party, uh, understands what they're trying, what they need to uh, to do if they are to be successful. If they are successful, or they're not successful. That's based on the evidence that's presented and the law that applies to that case. You have to be even-handed. You can't have sympathy for a party because of their circumstance. Thank you, Judge. Mr. Aguilard, how has your law enforcement career and your criminal experience made you particularly suited for the position of Lafayette City Court Judge? Well, uh, having served as the Chief of Police of Lafayette, it gave me the uh, unique experience and opportunity to be in, the, in this community. I mean, we engaged in uh, these community walks that I insisted my, me and my command staff make. Uh, that allowed us to go literally knock on doors, ask people about the problems they're dealing with, and then gave me the opportunity as chief to make sure it was dealt with immediately. And it was about building trust in the community, uh, building relationships between the police department and with the folks here. And it gave me, I think, a unique insight to some of the is issues that we are facing, particularly in misdemeanor court. And so I think that, uh, that alone gives me uh, a slight advantage, advantage over the other candidates here. Tell me about a challenge that you had as police chief that you were able to uh, handle um, and um, resolve on the part of the community that you think would translate into helping you as a city court judge? So probably my, uh, the toughest, my toughest day as chief was the day I lost Officer Michael Middlebrook. And um, everything that came after that, there was an immediate firestorm about insurance benefits for his family that had to be dealt with. I had uh, three, uh, uh, 300 officers at the PD who were angry that having, Middlebrook having given his life, angry about the loss of benefits immediately uh, to his family. And so it was about negotiating with the council and with the mayor president to try to make uh, something out of this, get, get, <laughs> address this issue immediately. I had the police union down my back. I had the people making statements in the press. And that was an extremely difficult time. But within a few days, uh, we was able to sort of smooth it out. It took time. It took understanding. It, it, it took me taking a, a strong leadership role with my officers saying, listen, guys, you have to trust me. Let me handle this and step back. And they did. And, and it was about having one-on-one -on -one meetings with all the councilmen members explaining what had been said to this officer's family and so on and so forth and negotiating uh, what was essentially new uh, and putting into law immediately something that would assist this family. That, that, that occasion, um, you know, the idea of being able to negotiate the politics involved uh, uh, dealing with employees at the same time and also addressing the public uh, and dealing with the outcry there, I think gave me a unique understanding in how all these things work. I think it'll be specifically beneficial when it's time to deal with budget processes. Uh, my ability to work with the council, with the mayor presidents of the past, uh, I think is going to help me a great deal in terms of being a judge of the court and working our way through the budget crisis that we're seeing. And so 
I always fall back on that event. That was one of the toughest of my career. Thank you. Ms. Bustani, mm -hmm. how has your um, experience as a prosecutor in your career and all of your criminal experience made you particularly suited to be Lafayette City Court Judge? Yeah, so kind of like I said earlier, um, when I think of all the best judges that I know, they lead with kindness and compassion, a great work ethic, and a listening ear, right? And uh, like I said, when I met with my victim who was 11 years old, and uh, I was the first person, she, I mean, she had a baby at that point. I had just had my last son, and she had just had her baby. And by the time when I met with her, um, and she told me that I was the first person to listen to her, and the first person who actually she felt safe with, um, that, ch that changes you, you know, and it makes you just put things into perspective. And then, you know, I've, I've ROR'd, released on their own recognizance, a lot of defendants when I think that there's an underlying issue and I've sat down and I've talked to them and I've sent them to um, 232 Help. I've probably sent them there too many times. But, you know, uh, Chris is always really great when they go. And I have done that in my career. Thousands now, probably. I've had these types of meetings for a, forever, it feels like. It's ingrained in who I am. And the idea that your judge needs to be an open-minded, fair, equitable, caring, and compassionate person. That is what you all want. I know it, because it's when you come to court, that's what you expect. You expect someone to listen to you, to not have any preconceived notions or judgments about you as a lawyer or your client or anything like that. That's what you expect. That is where the bar is started. And I'm telling you, I rise above that because I give everybody, every single person that comes and talks to me, every amount of respect, no matter who they are, where, what they've done. To sit across from a murderer, someone who has killed another 15 or 16-year-old, and give them compassion and kindness is not easy. It is necessary, though, in these types of positions. Honestly, though, outside of the legal world, the nonprofit world is really what set me apart and what made me ready to take this on. When my colleagues called and asked me to start to, to consider this position, um, I never, never once thought that I should do anything like this. But when I started thinking about it and we started talking about why I should do it, it's those stories that led me here today. And then I went on a, you know, a thank you path of all the educators that put me on in this path and my parents who set me on this stage for equality, really. And um, that's really why I, I feel like I've been set apart, you know. And the prosecutor job is what helped me meet all of those people to learn that compassion. Thank you. Another question for you. Um, your experience has not involved many civil cases at all. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as a challenge um, in, in 
conducting your court, and do you feel prepared to handle cases that are not of a criminal nature? Yeah, not not worried about it. Do you know why? <laughs> I am a very competent prosecutor. Do you know what I do to prepare a case to go to trial for 11 days? The same thing everybody else does. I understand what it takes to try a civil case. I was a law clerk, and so I might not be doing it every single day, but guess what? I understand the law, I read the law, and I can argue the law. You know, my ability to try a case is, is really probably also what sets me apart, really and truly. I've been in the courtroom every, very, feels like every day maybe, <laughs> you know, with all those extra dockets. But, um, you know, I have tried cases in the past. I've tried seven jury trials, six or seven, I don't even know how many, in the past two years that are intricate. The biggest case our office had, I had to put that whole thing together. So I understand what civil lawyers do. They, you know, Y'all have to put it all together. It comes to the prosecutor pretty much already put together. But as civil lawyers, you're building your case. And I understand what that takes. And so I absolutely feel ready and, and prepared um, to preside over any case. Thank you. Judge Edwards, you were a judge for a really long time. So we're going to talk to you about how your military career experience makes you particularly suited to be a city court judge. Drawing on that experience, please tell us your thoughts. Sure, and uh, I will tell you a little more than that. So, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so uh, yes, I, I, as I mentioned, I was in the military for 30 years. I enlisted as a, a private in the United States Marine Corps Reserves, finished as a colonel in the Louisiana Army National Guard. Uh, my, uh, uh, my last position in Louisiana National Guard was that of being the state judge, uh, state judge advocate. And in that role, I was responsible for both the Army and Air National Guards, military judges, lawyers, paralegals, and court reporters. They all reported to me. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and so we did operations, law of war operations, uh, emergency, emergency recovery operations, multiple operations. However, uh, one uh, uh, experience in the military that most folks don't realize is uh, that I had, uh, I, I was the 256 Infantry Brigade's Inspector General. And so in that role, uh, I was required to respond to complaints that soldiers had been misused, abused, mistreated. And I was also uh, required to do, conduct inspections to make sure that all of the commanders were in fact following all of the regulations with regard to their operations. And on many, and I was only a captain in that position. And on many occasions, I had to speak truth to power. I had to tell battalion commanders, uh, lieutenant colonels, that they were in the wrong, that they had not adequately supervised people below them. And on several occasions, I had to tell the person who appointed me to that position, the brigade commander, a, a general officer, that he was in the wrong. So I really learned how to speak truth to power. Uh, uh, in addition to that, 
you know, I was a lawyer, right? And so I practiced law in a law firm. I was a public defender. I was a assistant district attorney. I was also a, a counselor to the Senate Select Committee on Crime and Drugs. Uh, and uh, all of those roles formed what I do, what I did as a judge. And so as a judge, uh, I was required to uh, consider what the appropriate amount of bail would be, what set bail conditions. We released many people on their own cognizance uh, once we assured that they would not be a threat to the community. And also, I, uh, I set conditions of probation that would reduce the risk that these people would return to court uh, as convicted felons. All of those experiences informed what I did as a state judge and will inform what I will do as a city court judge if you vote for number 61. Thank you, Judge. This is going to be a tough question, and I'm going to ask you to dig deep and have some honesty and vulnerability in your answer. In what area are you lacking in experience where you will need to study and or get up to speed when you begin a job as city court judge? And we will start with Toby Aguilard. Well, I suppose uh, I've never been a judge like Judge Edwards. So, uh, but every even Judge Edwards had his first day as a judge, right? Um, I think I have a lot to learn about being a judge in terms of you know the day to day operations, procedures, things that of that nature. But it's not anything I can't overcome. I assure you of that. Um, I feel very comfortable with going into city court. I have a great deal of experience with misdemeanor crimes. I have a great deal of experience with uh, evictions and forfeitures as well. So that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Uh, I, I suppose I just feel comfortable. I, I mean, there's always the new job jitters, right? But I feel like uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've taken over a new role before in my life and I'm prepared to do this one as well. So, sorry, that's all I have. Thank you. <laughs> Roy, you'll be standing. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to dig deep, too. I mean, um, you know, maybe some of the civil motions? I don't know. But even then, I'm like, I, I think I can read them, you know, and I can read the law. Uh, probably, you know, maybe just learning the process is kind of, a little bit scary, but also really exciting. Um, I won't know the process, um, like the judge's process. Um, not like he does, anyways. <laughs> so uh, that is a little bit, um, you know, maybe a little bit nerve-wracking, but not anything that is scary. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Judge Edwards? I really wish you did not answer, ask that question. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you have hit on something that I will, I will um, now will reveal. Uh, I have struggled for a very long time with the fact that I am really a very introverted person. It takes a lot of energy for me to stand up in public and, and present uh, as you are seeing me now. Uh, after these kinds of things, I have to you know, decompress, I have to slow down, and I am really not good at small talk. I am really not good at having just general conversations with people. That 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 takes that requires a big stretch of me. And 
Uh, as a result, you know, uh, let me also say that there's a whole lot of people in this community who know of me. There are very few people in this community who know me, right? And so uh, I, I have struggled for a long time uh, to com convince people that I am accessible. You can come and talk to me, right? And and for some reason or another, maybe it's the deep voice, maybe it's the military background, but people all believe that I'm unapproachable. They are afraid to come and talk to me. And I have this rap in the community that Jews won't talk to you. I went to try and talk to him and he wouldn't talk to me. And invariably, if you probe them, what they're complaining about is that I will not engage in ex parte communications. I will not talk with them about their particular case unless the other party is present or the, or, or the lawyers are present. And, and, and try, as I, I will explain the process, I will explain the rules, all of that, but that is not satisfactory. I, I, I invite them, so can we get the lawyer on the other side to come and, and we can schedule an appointment with both? No, 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 I don't want all that. I just want to talk to you. It's a, it's a small thing, I just want to talk to you. But, but it won't take long. I could get the other person on the phone right now. We, oh no, 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 no. And yet they run around. And they have that, that's the rap against me that I will not talk to people. And I, I need to figure out, I've been struggling with this for as long as I've been a judge, and I will continue to struggle with this. I beg people, I tell people, I would rather you talk to me than talk about me. When you talk to me, then there is an opportunity that we can solve whatever this problem that you're having. But when you talk about me, I don't know anything about what's going on, and I can't, I can't respond to that. That's my struggle. I'm sorry. Thank you for your honesty. Um, we have a lot of nonprofits. We have a lot of community resources. Uh, we have a lot of potential partnerships in our community that can aid the legal system, um, some of which may not even know how they may be able to aid the system of justice. My question to you is, what partnerships and or community resources will you draw upon as a city court judge to aid either your cases or the justice system or community as a whole? And we'll start with Roya Bustani. Yeah, so there are a lot of nonprofits that could be utilized in city court and that if you've heard me talk before, you know that I, I wanna use the nonprofits. Um, I think the first thing that I would do, though, is process what's going on in city court. I've actually, because of my nonprofit work, I've been using um, some of the nonprofits in my um, community service. You know, like, and when the defendant needs needs help, wants to know where to go, I'm like, look, these are all the different places that you can go um, that I think help better someone. Like, and I'm not going to plug any of them, but like, just for one, Parish Proud is. Uh, like I participated in the Gerard Park Day. You go and you clean up Gerard Park and you are with a bunch of outstanding 
volunteers, people who want to be there that day to clean up the city. And if you maybe were on probation or whatever it is, uh, you're there fulfilling what you think is an obligation. But what you're getting is invaluable connection with people and service, direct service to your community. And I think that you leave a little bit better every time you do something like that. Um, I know at least that's how I feel. Uh, but there are a lot of nonprofits. I think I'd probably do like a little nonprofit summit, you know, um, after I found out what the processes were and which ones I could really utilize. But it is, it's an untapped market for the court system. And, you know, I very, very much look forward to that part of being able to marry my, the worlds that, I, I'm, that both mean so much to me. So thank you, Mr. Aguilar. And I agree that we should um, use all the resources available to help those who find themselves in city court. Uh, when I first left the PD, I went to work as managing attorney for Catholic Charities of Acadiana. So it gave me the opportunity to be intimately familiar with all of the uh, services that they provide, as well as the services they are linked to and how they work together in this community. And of course, being chief, I saw a great deal of it in terms of uh, particularly with homeless issues and things of that nature, uh, I became familiar with the resources that we have available. Uh, and certainly as judge, I would want to use my familiarity with the, with the services in the community to assist those that come before the court in any way we can in helping them move on with their lives. And so I think that it is important that we use the resources available. And as judge, I would absolutely do everything I can to tap into those resources to help our community. Thank you. Judge Edwards. So for the majority of the time that I presided in the 15th Judicial District Court, uh, I was assigned to uh, track one, which is the drug track. Uh, and in that capacity, I uh, assembled uh, a list of uh, the nonprofit agencies uh, that uh, had won said that they wanted to work with people who were on probation uh, to help them get on track and get on the right path. But I also reviewed, uh, there was a listing that 232 Help uh, produced of all the nonprofits in, in, in the city. I have to tell you that keeping that list current was a significant challenge. Uh, it seemed like every time they published a new volume, the contents were out of date. Uh, but in any event, uh, that that is a, a significant resource, and I and I, I really believe that we need to continue reaching out to the folks in the nonprofit sector uh, to join with us as partners uh, as we help people get back on the right track. Now, I also. Uh, participated in the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee for uh, Lafayette Parish, and uh, I was not successful then, but I, if I'm elected, I hope to become successful in getting the city court to become participants in that organization, uh, because they had, uh, they would meet on a regular basis uh, to review all of the successes that they were able to achieve in the criminal, the local criminal justice system, and uh, identify barriers and identify work 
workarounds to to uh, get over or go around or go through those barriers. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I uh, regularly required folks to do community service, and litter abatement was a, a significant component of the community service. A specified number of hours uh, they needed to perform on litter abatement. Uh, we have a significant problem in our city with litter. I don't know why people can't when you eat bubble gum, put the wrapper in your pocket until you get to a trash can. But whatever it is, the reason it is, that is a, that is a significant problem. I was also a member of uh, the Lafayette uh, Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee. I'm sorry, the Criminal uh, Lafayette Reentry Coalition, Lafayette Reentry Coalition, and so that's an organization of uh, nonprofit agencies who are interested in working with uh, people who are about to be released from prison uh, to identify uh, which which one of those people about to be released from prison can participate in the services that the service provider is willing to provide once they're released on parole, and then. Uh, following up and walking along with them uh, to reduce the risk that they will recidivate and have their parole revoked. Uh, so uh, at every level in the process, from the, from the beginning when you're, when you're setting bail conditions uh, to uh, sentencing decisions, we look to the ally with nonprofit agencies. Thank you, Judge. Mm. Canon 3 of the Code of Judicial Conduct states that a judge shall perform the duties of the office impartially and diligently. How will you conduct yourself as a judge when dealing with cases in which your strong supporters and or detractors are involved, given that there are only two judges that sit on the city court bench? We will go with Judge Edwards first. Like, okay, so that would include recusal. I should have included yes, that because yes, I yes. saw Roya's brow furrow. Yes. If you would recuse yourself or not include that, please. Yes, yes. Uh, well, recusal is a tricky thing, right? Uh, because judges are required to recuse themselves when it is appropriate. And judges are also not required or, or, or are not allowed to recuse themselves when it's not appropriate. Because every time a judge recuse, recuses him or herself, you, it can be looked at that they are shirking some of their duties. You know, they're putting work on somebody else. The work still needs to get done, right? So, so it's very important uh, that the judge makes sure that when making the recusal decisions, you look at the statutes, you look at the canons, to make sure uh, that you can determine whether recusal is appropriate or not appropriate. Uh, I have to tell you, though, that, uh, again, uh, I have faced cir circumstances where people who supported me in an election somehow got the opinion that as a result of that, they could tell me how to decide a case. Uh, I, at first, I didn't believe that was true, 
right? They were, when they were coming and talking to me about particularly, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna do the right thing, don't worry about not, not move on, in that conversation, move away. And, and yet they persisted. I, 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 no, we, we needed to have this conversation. And so uh, on one particular occasion, things got so hot uh, that they, they were inviting me to a meeting with other people, and I had the impression that this was, that they wanted to talk to me about a particular case, to give me some information outside of the presence of the, of the lawyer, and this was a criminal case, outside of the presence of the prosecutor. The defense attorney wasn't even there. It was just family members, right, wanted, wanted to give me that information. And so I called up a, a, a young lawyer and said, look, I, I, I think this is what the situation is. I'd really appreciate if you would attend this meeting with me, and at the end of the meeting, whatever happens, write up a memorandum for record uh, of, of what you saw and what you heard. We went to the meeting, uh, and sure enough, that's what it was, right? And so after they gave me all the information that they were not supposed to give me, I told them, well, I'm, I'm really sorry uh, that you didn't listen to me when I told you that this is a, a conversation that we need to have in the presence of the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney. So as a result of that, I now have to recuse myself. Oh, no, judge, we want you on the case. Oh, no, no. Well, I, I'm, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. This is what the rules are, right? And 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 uh, it was a, it was a significant public leader in our community, and another local power broker in our community that orchestrated that. They were all distressed. They were mad at me for a very long time. But that's how I handled that circumstance. Thank you, Judge Roy Bustani. Yeah, I think the rules on recusal are pretty uh, clear. I think you, you know got to follow the law. Um, you know, I have never in my life uh, cowled to peer pressure. Never. I don't drink. If you know me, you don't. You know that I don't drink. And I mean, I have just never cowled to it. And as a prosecutor, I screen my case. If my case is good and I can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, then I'm going forward. Um, I've never felt, I've also never felt that a colleague of mine, someone who has taken the same oath as me, has made me feel been put in a position, I'm sorry that, you know, and we've heard that, I'm sorry that has happened to you. Uh, God, I hope it wasn't a young lawyer, you know, give us a bad name. But I, I work with people, different attorneys every day, and I am proud of the people that I work with. Um, I've never felt as though I have been put in a position to change who I was or change my morals or my values or what the law states. And I would not do that as a judge. Just, it just wouldn't happen. I don't care who it is. <laughs> Thank you. Toby Aguilar. So, uh, like Roy, I've never been in a position where I had to recuse myself from anything, but uh, I can say that throughout my career, I've always tried to maintain a high level of ethics and morals, and uh, I believe I have a moral compass that keeps me straight, and I believe people can see that in my past work. Um, you know, I believe that I have the ability to be a fair and impartial judge, and if someone were to uh, request something that's um, not appropriate, I believe I would deal with it appropriately, and that is if it requires recusal or some other measure. 
uh, but I have all the faith in my ability to remain fair and impartial and to serve the public well and build trust in our court system. Thank you. Um, we are coming up on the hour uh, for this forum. I want to open up the floor to anyone here that may have a question for any of the candidates. Any of you have a question? Miles? Thank you, Miles. For those of you listening to the podcast, Miles Mott commented that he is proud that we have three great candidates. Write it down, huh? <laughs> Robert Callum, you had a question. I was just curious, you all mentioned challenges with the court system and technology and new computer systems. To all of us yeah. in business, that means dollars, big dollars. Is that in the budget already, or do you envision having to increase fees for litigants and lawyers to pay for those technology changes going forward. <laughs> uh, so, so, so. Judge. I, Judge. All, I, you know, I mean, y'all were part of the budget process. <laughs> I didn't know what so uh, I, I cannot speak to uh, uh, what the current state of the budget is. I, I attended that, that meeting, and I was shocked and appalled uh, that the uh, council members were unwilling uh, to provide Judge Saloom with the basic resources that are necessary to run uh, a court system. Uh, and uh, I have to tell you, though, that uh, I, I am emphatic that the Lafayette City Court is not a profit center. The Lafayette City Court does not exist to subsidize the general budget of Lafayette City. That's not what that's for. Uh, the, the fines or, or a, a way to provide a criminal penalty for someone when jail is not, a, is not an appropriate penalty. That's the purpose of a fine, right? And, and fees, we have to be very careful that fees are not disguised taxes, right? So, so I look to the Lafayette City government to provide the resources necessary for the Lafayette City Court to function. Uh, that, is, that is the way our system of justice is designed. I have communicated with city council members about that in the past. I will communicate with them about that in the future. City court is a vital function uh, of city government, and if we want to be the kind of community that is attractive to young professionals, is attractive to retirees, they have got to know that we have a functioning justice system. Uh, and, and to starve the court simply because you have a peak with the court, that makes no sense, and I will communicate that until my face turns a different color. <laughs> Thank you, Roya. Yeah, yeah, and I, I will um, echo those sentiment, sentiments. And I believe that Judge Saloom has done a fabulous job. We all watched him that day, um, trying to go through the budget with the city council. Uh, he is trying his best. He is waiting. I know he's in a holding pattern right now. I'm sure he's told all of us. He's in a holding pattern to figure out who's coming in to be able to move the court forward. And I think it's prudent and very, I'm thankful for him waiting on one of us to get there to try to move the court forward. Um, he was very transparent 
in what his needs were uh, for that court uh, in, in the meeting that we were in. And, you know, I believe just a little bit more communication and collaboration, whoever his partner is going to be, uh, will get the job done. You know, I don't, I don't think that it's going to be passed on anyone else. I think that that is why the city council should be adequately funding that budget. Thank you. Toby Aguilar? So to answer your question, I, I think that it's a bit of a fluid situation still between the city court and the administration. Um, but with that said, uh, I don't think there's necessarily a need for more fees, if that answers your question. Um, there are other resources that we could go after, to, particularly when it comes to technology that may assist the court, uh, like DOJ grants and things of that nature, that may assist the court in acquiring some of the things that we really need. And as a judge, I would go after some of that as well. Thank you. Do we have any further questions from the audience? I'm going to give you each three minutes to give uh, a closing, your closing remarks, starting with Judge Edwards. So uh, I, will, I want to tell you that I <clears throat> uh, look forward to the opportunity to serve as the next uh, Lafayette City Court judge. Uh, you know, uh, judicial temperament is very important. Uh, a good judicial temperament uh, is vital to fulfilling the role of uh, a city court judge, uh, any, any kind of judge, uh, because uh, a, a temperament is a habitual disposition. It's an orientation to a particular uh, way of behaving and a particular way of regulating emotions. And, and a person with good judicial temperament uh, is patient, uh, dignified, kind, compassionate, respectful, resilient, all of those characteristics inform the, the conduct of the judge. And, and if a judge, if you elect someone who does not have a good judicial temperament, uh, then that will set up a lot of problems. Uh, and and uh, the, the last election is kind of an example uh, of that. Uh, and uh, I, on the, I have served uh, in, in Lafayette uh, for a significant period of time. I have demonstrated commitment. I have been married uh, for 35 years. We've been blessed to raise three adult children who are amazing. I don't, I, their mother did it. I don't know. And uh, I've, I was in the military for 30 years, and I was on the bench for 28 years. Uh, I am not looking, uh, I'm not in this for the money. Uh, I, I am not in this for social status. Uh, in fact, I'm the, if you're a fiscally conservative person, I'm really your candidate. Because if I'm elected as city court judge, you will save the tax papers taxpayers approximately $46,000 every year that I am a, a city court judge because I will have to forfeit half of my state retirement uh, every year that I'm a city court judge. I am not in this for position. I'm not using this as a stepping stone. I see this as the capstone of my career. I want to put into place, put into practice all of the experience that I've developed over those over these years of fulfilling commitments and inspire the civil litigants in Lafayette to honor their commitments and inspire the folks who have been convicted of criminal offenses and misdemeanor offenses to move away from, leave their wicked ways alone. Vote for Jules Edwards, number 61 on the ballot. Toby Aguilard. 
So thank you all for your attention today and for being here and choosing to take an interest in this race. I really appreciate the, um, the opportunity to have uh, spent some time with you today. Uh, as you know, I'm Toby Aguilard. Uh, I have proudly served Lafayette, and you know my wife and I are uh, very fortunate to be in a position uh, at a time in my career and in our lives that I can make this commitment to the city. Uh, I've, public service has been my life, and I look forward to being back in it. I'm asking you for your vote, your support, and your prayers. Thank you. Roya Bustani. Okay, I'm a courtroom lawyer, so I better move, right? <laughs> so, look, y'all, I think I pretty much know all of you in this room. I never thought I would be standing before you at 36 years old. I know I'm young. I hear it every single day when I talk to people. Every time, well, you're so young to be running. Guess what? I've been trying cases. I've been putting murderers and rapists in jail, and I've been giving second chances to people every single day at the DA's office. I never stop after 5 p.m. I go out into this community, my community, Lafayette, this is, this is my community, right? I go out every single day, and I'm either doing stuff with young lawyers, or Junior League, or the Boys and Girls Club, or somewheres, and I'm bringing my kids along. Why? Because Alfred and Roya want Ace, Allie, and Jack to come back to this community to feel safe, to feel like they can have my grandkids here. My God. I'm looking to run for city court judge because my colleagues asked me to. I am so honored and I'm so blessed to have had that happen to me. I would have never done this on my own. Never. They saw something in me. I treat people, every person that comes in front of our court, fairly, with respect. I am kind. Maybe I'm too kind sometimes. I don't know. But it's what God told me. It's what my mama taught me. I'm looking to go to city court to bring that kindness, the compassion, the heart over there for the people, because it is the people's court. I'm there for the long haul. I don't, I'm not doing this for the benefits. I'm not doing the DA job for the benefits either, y'all. You know, <laughs> no, thanks, Royal. You know, but <laughs> I'm I've been in public service my whole life too. I have never done a job for money. And I guarantee you, at city court, I'm gonna give you the 110% effort that I've done for the Toby brothers, that I've done for every other trial against the Lance Brown doing what I've done there and giving the compassion that I've also felt for other people, that's what I'm going to be doing at city court. You all are the people who will be telling everybody what's going on and who to vote for. It's important that you tell them that you need the long haul judge, the one that can will be there for 20 years, and the one that has the compassion and the, and the caringness and the judicial temperament to go out and be there for the long haul. I am number 60. My name is Roya Bustani. And I would very much appreciate the legal community support, the nonprofit support from this community, and I would look forward to being your next city court judge. Thank you, Ms. Bustani. I want to thank everyone for coming out today on behalf of the Lafayette Bar Association. Thank you so much for participating. Thank you so much for being here. 
Uh, We appreciate being part of the Discover Lafayette podcast. Thank you, Dan Swift. And that concludes our program. Thank you. Thank you.